for today. I am more than ready for today. Or you're in the balcony, get ready. You may find yourselves wanting to jump off it today. Please don't. Go with the feeling, not the action. Because there is a connection today with what is high up and what is down below. Today, we get to do part two. I am gonna be journeying through Psalm 84, verse by verse, for the next few weeks, and then we will end with our first baptism service of the year at the very end of next month. And so as we get towards that, um, really get ready. So context. For those who were here last week, you know what I said, but for those who weren't, let me just briefly say this. In Psalm 69, the psalmist says, zeal for your house consumes me. This consumer or consumed phrase came because for a lot of people, especially in the West, for a lot of, well, for decades, people have seen the church and I go to church for what I can get. Now, don't get me wrong, the church is here for one another and it is a place where you can receive. But the posture that we need to have as worshippers of the King is that we are consumed by His house and the purpose of His house. Not because we're consumed by the structure of the house, but we're consumed by the one in whom the house belongs to and in whom the one who dwells in the house. We're consumed by that. I wanna move us in this season forward from being, we just come to church to get more than, no, we get to be church in who we get to become because we are consumed by whose house it is. Now, with that in mind, our word for the year is hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's I tell myself hallelujah, I tell people near me, hey, you should hallelujah, and we praise the Lord, hallelujah. So super quick, give the person a dig in the ribs next to you and don't even look at them, just go hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't even look at them, hallelujah. That's why you're here. That's why you're here today. We encourage you, that's why you, this is your posture. You're in the house to praise the Lord. That's the primary purpose. And the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. If that's the primary purpose, the image of a fire. For some of us, we need to move from being, we sit near the fire to get its warmth so I can receive it. Don't get me wrong. There's a season where you can be comforted. But the reality is we're here to stoke the fire, even be in the fire that we get to give out the fire of God, the very indwelling of who He is. Okay, Psalm 84. Let me read verse one and two from last week, and then it flows into today's verses. We're gonna do three and four today. Verse three and four, they were on the video. Verse three and four were on the video. Psalm 84, verse one, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Verse three. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord, 
Almighty, my King and my God. Okay, I've said it before, slow down reading your Bible. When I studied this many, many years ago, I did some work in and around. Why is he calling out sparrows and swallows? Like, why not just say birds? What's the significance of sparrows and swallows in the context of the, the temple and the dwelling place? I go, what's that about? I did some work then. And I thought to myself, well, I did all that research then and I found it out, but what else is there? So I went a little deeper. And from that, and I'll just say this, I felt the Lord impress upon me something even in addition to the facts about sparrows and swallows, but we need to go there. It's not there by accident. It's there for a reason, and there is something in it that we, we really need to hear. And often you read the Bible, oh, yeah, sparrows, swallows, I'm not one of them, move on. Where's the main part? So let me get into this. I'm not a big, like, into birds kind of guy, although in the podcast episode this week, I talked about penguins, but they're a bit different, aren't they? You know, and if you haven't listened to our podcast, episode three comes out on Wednesday, and then we're going to record in from then. But I'm not talking penguins today. I'm talking sparrows and swallows. Let me give you the facts, because this fits. The psalmist says, even the sparrow has found a home in your house. Now, a sparrow is unbelievably common. They're pretty global. I don't think I've been to a country where I've not seen a sparrow. Sparrows are so common. They're common birds. They're everywhere. They're not that, I'm not being harsh here. They may be cute, but they're not that impressive. There's no, nobody here goes, oh, sparrow. They don't. Nobody's like, oh, very impressed by this. It's not got this bright colors. It's not got anything really majestic about it. It's a tiny little thing. It's a little rotund. It's just, yeah, a little chubby bird. And hey, here we go. And scurries around and big deal. Lots of them. The sparrow is a very common bird and they are everywhere. But even the sparrow has found a home. The psalmist is so longing to be in the house, he's a little envious even of the sparrow. Even the person who seems insignificant. You see, a sparrow by its existence makes its home in bushes, little nests in certain places and hedgerows, all these different things. And for the most part, a sparrow feeds on the ground little bits of scraps of seeds and things that have fallen to the ground and certainly the, the crumbs that are there and a, and a sparrow, will that's where they feed, kind of on the ground and they make their nests kind of like in certain things where they can. Nothing majorly impressive does the sparrow. But even the sparrow has found a home. They're welcome. Sparrows physically were welcome in the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. They weren't shooed out. It was like they were welcomed. And there's an image there. For some of you, you think maybe your life's not that significant. I'm just pretty common. I'm like everybody else, but home. Home. I'll touch on this in a minute. The swallow. 
Now the swallow is a little bit more impressive. These beautiful wings with a point at the end. There's another breed called the swift in the same family. And the swallow makes its nest in high places. The swallow in the temple of the Lord will make its nest up in the high places of the temple. The way a swallow builds a nest, it would get twigs and it would get mud and it would build into buildings, into the crevices and where it can. It would attach itself to what has already been built and a swallow would swoop around in high places and the swallow will eat insects in the air. Not gathering on the ground, but in the air. And the swallow is less common but the swallow was also this image of liberty and freedom. And in a Hebrew mindset, the nest being built up there, there was passed then and many nations to this day still have this law. And that is a Mosaic law that said you must never, never interfere with a nest. Even if it's been built in the house of the Lord, don't touch it. And I, I know we, we had a nest in one of kind of in our rafters in our beam in our home in England. It was like, we've got this nest and these birds are chirping and it was annoying. And it was like, hey, who do I call to get rid of this nest? And they were like, there's younglings in the nest. You can't touch it. It's illegal. There was a mosaic law that said the birds of the air have their nests. You should leave them. They're welcome there. You see, the swallows, by its personality, are restless. They're restless. And the only time a swallow seems to be at rest is when its nest has young in them. And then the swallow will find its purpose for its young to be in them. Now, the sparrow may seem insignificant and only feed off the crumbs and not have the appearance of anything impressive, but even the sparrow has found a home. The swallows, although appearing to be restless and have this image of freedom about them, build their nest. So the scripture says again, let's read it again. Look at these phrases in 80, 84 verse three. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Here's a little bit of a revelation I had. The sparrow has found a home. Your heart, your heart has a longing for home. It's not just about geography. Your heart has a longing to feel safe. Your heart has a longing to feel cared for. It's how you're wired. Your heart longs for home. The sparrow is symbolic of your heart. And it's fragile and it's just your heart, but it craves something simple, just like home. It longs to be home. And for some of us, we've all got different stories, but there is something about that. The story of the prodigal son is that when he came to his senses, what did he think of? Home. 
even that, that was the only one place where he knew he could find rest, was home. Even Dorothy in the land of Oz said, there's no place like home. There is something in us. The sparrow is symbolic of our heart. And you may think you're not important. You may think you're insignificant. But the psalmist is even jealous of the sparrow. Even the sparrows have found a home in your dwelling place. And the swallows, though. You see, the swallows, now they're symbolic of your spirit. I'm going to make a statement right now. Your heart craves home your spirit longs for adventure. And the Holy Spirit breathing inside of who you are, the Holy Spirit will always be saying, come on now. Your heart longs for home, your spirit longs for adventure drawing you to this. That's why the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit being in the early church and you will be my witnesses in. There is a sending nature. When you're walking with God, your heart is here, but the Spirit longs for adventure. There is something out there. The Spirit is a little bit like the swallow. There's a restless nature to it, but when you know your purpose, you do find rest when you know where you need to dwell in the house of the Lord when you know it's not just about you. You see, the swallow's image here was a swallow with a nest for her young. There's a generational impact. It's not ever just about you. It's not ever just about you. So what's the location of your nest? Your heart and your spirit. What's the location? I'm not talking geography here. I'm talking, where is your dwelling and identity? Is it like this psalm, this verse says, a place near your altar, a place where in the presence of the Lord, at a place where I get to recognize all that he's done for me and has for me. Is this your dwelling place? Is your soul longing for home? Yes. Is your soul being called an adventure? Yes. So where are you located right now? Are you literally the purpose of the courts of the Lord when you think of church? Is it these people in and around you? Well, this is what I want to be around. Yes, on my own before the Lord. Yes, but with his people. Oh, wow. And the psalmist is going to Jerusalem thinking, can't wait to get there. Even the sparrow and the swallow. That's where they are. What is it you're building in your life now and for your future? When you consider the courts of the Lord and the house of the Lord, how are you building your nest? What does that look like? And with this in mind, something hit me so strong. The scriptures are full of this. One generation will commend your works to another. The whole passing on generationally, both those coming behind and those in front of me, the significance of it. This is what I am so passionate about for grace. So I'm gonna interact with you right now and I'm gonna call you out and you're gonna expose yourself today. I'm gonna ask you to stand. You're like, what? I'm gonna ask you to stand to something that you cannot deny. You can't fake, although products may try and help you with that. You can't get away from this true reality of who you are right now. And it's really important because this, this verse, I couldn't believe how much it spoke to me. 
Couldn't believe the way the psalmist was jealous for these birds, but he was revealing so much about heart and spirit and dwelling and generations. So here we go. And by the way, it was so good at nine o'clock. I was surprised and so blessed by what I saw. If you are between, if you are age 28 or under, please stand up. 28 or under, please stand up. 28. What? Um, hey, church. Um, 28 or under, can you see what's in the room right now? I knew you guys were important, but look at this. Look at this. So your class is Gen Z. Uh, no, you're not Gen Z, you're Gen, you're Gen Wow. And I really mean this. You're Gen Wow, but you need to hear this really importantly. I didn't realize there'd be so many of you. Wow. I knew there'd be a lot. Oh, by the way, at the nine o'clock, the majority age group were this age group. They were the majority at nine as well. Okay, now, let me just say this. Your generation, your instinct right now is you are building into your future. Don't miss today. With a longing for the future, don't miss today. Don't miss the day of small things. Don't miss today. You're making massive, significant decisions in your life. Huge ones. Don't get locked in. Stay agile. You may have parents that want you to get it all organized and all set and all responsible. I'm a parent. Don't do that when it comes to following Jesus. All of Jesus' disciples were teenage boys with the exception of Peter who may have been in his early 20s. Every great revolution in human history was done and created and changed by your age group. Fact. I made the biggest decisions kind of of my life in your demographic. So right now, you are in an unbelievable sweet spot of influence. And your influence is this, model it. Set an example. If you're getting ticked that someone's not worshiping passionately, then worship your lungs out. I need you guys faster and stronger and greater and louder than me. Louder than me, stronger than me in every sphere. I need you guys more hungry for the Lord than the generation above you. I want you to be an inspiration to those above you that wakes up the sleeper who's got stuck. I need you to do that. I need you to think beyond what seems to be neat and tidy and safe and responsible. My King is good, but as C.S. Lewis said, he's not safe. We will not allow the kingdom of heaven to be in a cage, but we will be wild in who we are and be the unstoppable force the Lord has called us to be. 
You are now. You're not a church of the future. You're not, oh, it's the church is in good hands. Yes, it's in your hands right now. Have a look. Your influence is majorly significant. Now, here's the thing. It's not about you, though. Who literally is behind you? Because there's a generation of elementary kids, middle schoolers and high schoolers who are going through absolute confusion right now. They're just, and they're spinning and we don't know. You need to be an unbelievable example and role model to them. Get in their lives. I don't know, some of you may not call Arizona home because you're here for school, but get in their lives. They don't think they're cool enough for you to be in their lives. Get in their lives. Go about it. A true disciple is somebody who is making disciples. Who are you discipling? It's not just, but no one's discipling me. You will grow more when you know what you need to teach. Learn it, teach it. Same day if need be. Invest in it. And here's the next one. There's some 30-somethings, 40-somethings, 50, 60, 70, 80s that need your heart. That need your heart. This is the church, generationally. They need your heart. Some of you are orphans, as in you don't have Christian parents who are, they may call themselves Christian, but not fully passionate followers of Jesus. Will you get to bring a change to the next generation for your family? You go, no more. As of this day, my family line will be fully devoted followers of Jesus. My history may be this, but my future is different. Even the sparrow has found a home and some of you feel insignificant. You're welcome in this house. You'll grow in this house. But contribute to the house. All in, fully fledged. By the way, we start at 11, just because some of you needed to know that. Um, That was deliberate. Anyway, so, but this is it. You're not here to be a consumer. You're not here to be a consumer. Before all in, I could go, I could talk about you guys all day because you're amazing. Take a seat. All those who are aged 29, ah, oh, so I wanted to change the numbers on this so much. All those 29 to 45, stand up. 29 to 45, stand up. 29 to 45. You'd think, wow, yeah, look, they're important, man. See, this is why, this is why I, get, I get excited about what we saw the first time with that generation. You see, our generation, it's not even my generation, you guys are younger than me. So these guys, take a look around. Where, where are we? What happened? What happened was your generation and mine were driven by consumerism. I'm just gonna call it out, we were. We were more driven by deep teaching than we were depth of praise. We were more interested in knowing about God than we were being his hands and feet. We were more interested in information than we were transformation. And I'm being general, I, I, I'm just showing you the evidence. 
But there's a generation right behind you guys that need you. There's not many of you, and there's a lot of the others. Time to get busy. Time to get busy. And you're like, you, you have got to be investing. You are in the sweet spot of the Lord using you right now. Oh, I've got responsibilities. Who's more important? I made the biggest, most drastic decisions in my life in your demographic. At 28 was a huge decision and then moving through to 43. I made the most drastic, biggest, significant decisions of my life. Everything looked illogical. Everything looked irresponsible. But if my God says it, the irresponsible to, thing to do is to obey it. So is your heart still longing for home? And when's the last time you checked in with your spirit that's drawing you to adventure? Because some of you are like, well, when I've got through this season, when I become an empty nester, when I've got less responsibilities, I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. I don't. Some of you have forgotten what it is to have the white knuckle ride of being blown by the Holy Spirit. So, okay, all right, Lord. You say, yeah, I'll do it. You want me to give all this away? I'll give it all away. You want me to leave this particular situation? I'll leave it. If you say it, I'll do it. May not make any sense, but I'd rather trust the king than my own sense. But you're needed. Look around, guys. Some of you younger ones, look around. Look at the few people who are stood up right now and go to them and say, Hey, can you help me? And some of you are like going, what help can I be? You just have to be and be with them. It's really important. Really important. You are in the epicenter of being a parent at this age group. The epicenter of being a parent. It's not confined to biology. It's not confined to biology. Take a seat. All those who are aged 46 to 70, stand up. 46 to 70. Here we are, come on, here we are, we're ready. We're ready, now. For the majority of 46 to 70, get to that point where maybe you become like empty nesters. Some of you may be thinking, oh, it's time to slow down. Wrong! I read an article this week, guys, just to help you out. And this was an older generation. This guy who's 95 years old has the cardiovascular system of a 40-something. And he's 90-something. And I was reading it and researching why. He only started doing physical activity in terms of exercising when he got into his early 70s. He just thought, I'm too young for this. And got off his blessed assurance and started doing some, here we go. And now he's in his 90s with a cardiovascular system of somebody in their 40s. Yeah, and I'm just saying, I could quite easily right now, easily right now, be very sedentary and be very, very unhealthy. Now I'm blessed by an amazing wife, but the reality is I am more fired up 
more passionate, I've got more physical capacity than I ever, ever have before at 54. Ever have before. Why? Because it's not about me. It's not about me. So here we are, every single one of you. I charge you with this. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Get in the lives of some other people. Be consumed by the mission of God in the house of the Lord and example it. And by the way, you may not physically be able to do as much as you could before for whatever reason. Stop making excuses. So here I am, Lord, use me. All that I have, all that I have, use it. Have a good look at that. Have a fresh look at that. Yeah, but I've earned it and I've done this so I can enjoy the fruit of my labour. For what? For what? Get a fresh revelation of even the sparrow has found a home and a swallow, a nest for her young. What's your nest for? If it's for you to sit back, recline and binge Netflix, get a life. <laughs> have a look around, church. These people, these people have got the perfect sweet spot. The perfect sweet spot. These people have made more mistakes than any of you have. <laughs> We've made more mistakes. We have made so many mistakes. It's your best tool, guys, your best tool. Your best tool. What you do is, is with the next generation, you don't preserve them from making mistakes. You protect them in the mistake making. So what they'll learn. You just, you get alongside. So just to help you with that, if you're, oh, I don't want them to suffer. I don't want them to do that. I'll do everything for them. Stop that. I know it's your instinct. But be alongside so that as they get so close, so close to a destiny with Jesus, you're the one there to kick them over the edge. You know, it's like, yes, trust him. He'll be there to catch you when you fall. Trust him. Not, oh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go and live there. Oh, there's some bad people there. I'm so glad the apostle Paul didn't have that mindset of you. So glad. Fresh revelation of the house of the Lord. Ask him for it. You've got a role to play because some of you lot, all these young ones are gonna come to you and go, hey, I don't know who you are, but can you help? And your answer is absolutely. Oh, I don't know much. I don't know much. Take a seat. This is for all of us right now. Some of you that don't know much thing. I wanna, I wanna stress this so strong. Out of all the things that I've seen in my 30 plus years of ministry, one of the most effective tools that's been given to the kingdom of God in the world, in the world, in these last few decades has been Alpha. And what Alpha has done, it's enabled somebody who doesn't really know who Jesus is to find who Jesus is. It's enabled those who want to follow Jesus but just don't have any foundation to put it upon. It enables them. It enables them to do it in an environment where they're with other people at different walks and different seasons. It gives them some tools to understand some core things. It is amazing. It's in so many languages all over the world because it's simple and it's pure, but it's done with one another. 
And that's what's important. It's not, oh, give me the curriculum and I'll learn it. It's like, no, let's have conversation about life. Who is Jesus? And what is the Bible? And why do we pray? And what even is faith? And what happens when you die? And who is the Holy Spirit? And what's the purpose of the church? All these core things. And maybe some of you have an answer for that. But to have it in an environment where you get to learn it, it has been so missing. So missing. So I'm telling some of you, you need to do Alpha. Go out to the Connection Point tent today. Go and say, okay, I need to sign up for Alpha. And if it's at a time that you can't make, move your other appointment. And, and because it's not just you learning, it's how you learn. Because you'll learn with people who are asking questions you're not asking. And that will equip you when there are other people in life who are asking questions. But if you're in your own little world and all that I want to know is answers to my questions... The church has been brilliant at answering questions no one's asking. It's not a good statement. Anyway, all those aged 71 and above, please stand. 71 and above, please stand, if you can. 71 and above, please stand. Yeah! 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 Stay stood up. I won't keep you standing for long. All right? Stay stood up. Some of you need to know there's people in here who've been married for over 60 years. So some, of, some of you need to, you need to get alongside that. Some of you 20-somethings need to get alongside that. You need to go ask them. Hey, we don't know who you are, but hey, here we are. I know some of you. Young, early marrieds, some of you may be engaged or whatever. Who are you getting your advice from? Who's feeding you? This is who should be feeding you. Because they've stuck with it. They've stuck with it. And guess what? It's, and, if, and if they think it's been beautiful every single day, they're getting old, they've forgotten. All right? That's just the way it is. Because there's days where it's just hard. But they're here. And they're an example. And they're in the house of the Lord. They're in the house of the Lord and they're serving in the house of the Lord. You want to hear somebody who's passionate for the Lord? Do you want to know about somebody who just weeps for the presence of the Lord? Somebody who punches the air? Jerry Powers is 104 years old. And Jerry, Jer, Jerry serves, he's one of our elders. Like the guy just wells up and tears up when, he talk, when we talk about the Holy Spirit. If I, if I get to Jerry's age and get stone-hearted, I want to pray what Ezekiel prayed and say, give me a heart of flesh again, Lord. Remove this heart of stone. Remove this heart of stone. Look around, everybody. Look around. These people are not just parents. The grandparents great-grandparents. These people are the people that walk 14 miles to school there and back uphill all the way. <laughs> but they are. They are. They really are. Don't you just love grace that we've got every generation in the house? Don't you just love them? Take a seat. Take a seat. Take a seat. Um, 
This is why I said this. Like, I shared this at the nine o'clock. On a Tuesday morning, I get here around 5.25, 5.30 in the morning to set up for Into the Storm, which starts at six. I kind of could get here at 5.40 and still have time to set up. The problem is there's an 85-year-old guy in the parking lot at 5.25 waiting for me to arrive. Like Doug Meyer is in the parking lot every week. And I'm like, I'm gonna be late for Doug. He's 80-something. Some of you guys, oh, I've got to get up so early to get to that. 85-year-old Doug gets here before me. Get a grip, young men, and get here on a Tuesday morning and get around some of these other guys who are older, who are here ready to invest in your life. Like, get here, get up, it's all good. I'm 54 with a 4 a.m. alarm. Get up. Okay, you can do it. Anyway, that was a big spot, but I want to lead into this. The psalmist is going to the house and even the sparrows. And every generation is people who are like sparrows, but their home is in the house. And they found the home. Or even the swallows that they're making a nest for their young. Every single one of us, it's not just about you. There's more, so much more. Okay, okay, I need to change gear really quick. We still haven't finished verse three. He then declares this, even the swallows and the sparrows, but he ends verse three with, oh Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Oh Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Adonai, Melech, Elohim. There's this thing, oh Lord Almighty, my King and my God. I remember Spurgeon writing this and Spurgeon said, whenever you see this, my King and my God, what's with the my twice thing? And Spurgeon's way he would be saying it is because he's just taken hold of God with both hands. With both hands. And he will not let go until he sees his kingdom come and his will be done. Like, my King and my God. Oh, Lord Almighty, that's how real and powerful God is. My King, that's how good He is. And my God, that's how great He is. There's something so powerful that inspires a hallelujah. There's a hallelujah like, oh, these birds, but then He ends it with something so majestic as this. I'm like, yes, so key, so good. Verse four, real quick. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. See the flow? Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, hallelujah. They are yet still praising, some would say. They will praise forever. Different translations. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Yes, you'll receive, you'll get comfort and encouragement and nurture and help. People will pray with you and support you and direct you and help you in your discipleship journey. Yes, you'll be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to your generation, to the generation beyond you'll be able to be a people who will go even to the ends of the earth. Yes, 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 yes. But you are blessed because you're in the house of the Lord praising Him for the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. What are they doing? They are ever praising 
Again, why are you here today? Your purpose is to praise and worship Him. The other things come from that. They're the overflow of that. And this is what I love about you, Gen Z, is you are so passionate about we don't need polished perfection. We want authentic passion. I'm like, I, I think I'm 54 with a Gen Z soul. I'm claiming it, and you don't know you're not, you just know. But I feel it. Like in here, I'm still 25. I'm like, don't stop me. Yeah, when the Lord put up on me a decade or so ago, Des, you need to get fitter because there's things I have for you. You be a steward of the body I've given you. God, I want you to do this and do this and do this. It's my responsibility to have the energy to do it. So you need a fresh revelation of your why. Now, with that in mind, let me just quickly dive into this. They are ever praising you. They are ever hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm gonna keep touching upon this probably all year and revealing another layer and another layer. Here's a quick why for that. They are ever praising you. Here's a why. Number one, when I cry hallelujah and I praise the Lord, my focus moves from me to Him. And I don't know about you, I think about me a lot. Because it's me, isn't it? You. you. You think about yourself a lot. That's why Hallelujah on my mirror has been so good. So good. It takes my focus off me and onto Him. If you've not done it yet, what are you afraid of? Stick a Hallelujah on your mirror, on your refrigerator, on your microwave. We've got it on all three in our house. Well, two mirrors. What are you afraid of? What are you looking at? Tell yourself, hallelujah. Go about your day, hallelujah. It puts my focus on him, not on me. It puts my focus away from my problem and to the helper. Not saying the problem disappears, but where I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. This is a psalm. It transfers my self-centered weakness into God-centered strength. Because he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. There is something about the hallelujah and the praise that reveals that. And then the obvious one is, my fear, my fear turns to faith. My fear turns to faith. And I lean my life first foot forward with faith. So why praise? Why worship? Hallelujah. Here's some quick statements. And then we're going to do this today. I believe praise, hallelujah, creates a dwelling place for God in my present situation. It creates a dwelling place. It's almost like, yes, they built the temple for a dwelling place, but we are becoming his dwelling place. My car can be a dwelling place for the Lord or it can be a focus of my worries. Hallelujah does that. When I praise him every time, he is increased and I am decreased. Just the deals, it happens. Every time I get to see how great he is and I still can't fathom that. 
is even beyond that. How great is our God? What's the greatness? And when I declare hallelujah and I see Him, it enlarges the view that I have of Him and decreases the view I have of my circumstances. They may not go away, but my perspective in them absolutely changes. That's why some of you need to adopt different postures of worship to unlock the rut you've got yourself in and start to see him afresh. It fuels my faith. Because he, and this is really important. Okay, I'm a bit out of time. Don't care, here we go. When I declare, this is important. When I declare my praise, I'm declaring who he is. I'm declaring what he has done. I'm declaring what he has promised for me. I am declaring not just my life now, but into the future. I am declaring what he has done, standing on that promise. I am making a declaration. When I praise, I need to get that out. I am not gonna be driven by my feelings first. It's truth first. It's who he is. I have to make the declaration and then walk in it. I've shared this illustration before. I never would have believed that going to a department store in the 90s, back in the day, to buy perfume, expensive perfume, well, at the time, very expensive perfume, that I'd never bought for my wife. I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy her some real stuff, not grocery store. Okay? So I went and I went and I was like, okay, I have no idea. And so she was like, oh, try this. I'm going, still have no idea. And then I found one that I like that. She went, there you go. She said, now, do you know how you should wear perfume? I went, do you think I know? This is how you really should put on expensive perfume. And she said this to me. And, I, and then from that day, it was like, oh, my word. Don't forget the scriptures that we are the aroma of Christ. She said, you get very expensive perfume and you spray it just in front of you in the air, stand forward and let it fall on you. What, you don't... She said, it's expensive. It's a couple of squirts. You don't... You just... You wear it. It falls on you. And, I, and then from this day, my perspective on worship and praise took a shift. When I declare, I get these words out of who he is, I go, and then I step in them. His truth, I step into it, it then falls on me. It then falls on me. It consumes me. But it isn't feeling based. I'm so worried. All the best with that aroma. He is my King, my God, my Saviour, my Healer, my Provider, my Protector, my Reigning Lord, Ruling King over all the universe. He was and is and always will be. He has paid a price for me. He who had no sin became sin that I could become the righteousness of God. He is good. He is faithful. He is mighty. He is pure. He is holy. He is the greatest. Squirt, 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 fall, fall, fall. Everything from that. This is why it needs to be daily. A once a week shower does not do you good. Some of you are going, tell my brother next to me in my dorm, he stinketh. Moving on. Smell like Jesus, not Lazarus. Moving on. 
Okay, let me end with this. Oh, wow, I am so over. I've been good this year. My promise was to stay good. Failed. (laughs) Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, see, I do a hallelujah because I belong to an unshakable kingdom. The world around you may seem shaky. Your future may seem uncertain, but I have placed my feet, not just on a rock, but on an unshakable kingdom. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Here's the why. For our God is a consuming fire. Okay. Now we're getting there with this whole consumer or consumed and the significance of the house of the Lord, which is His dwelling place and the importance of praise. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Selah. Emphasis on the, when you pronounce it, don't pronounce it sailor. It's selah. And all it is, is a musical term. It's still got mystery to it. That is, take a moment, pause, reflect, soak in. Some would say that there'd be an instrumental interlude to allow you to ponder it. Some would say that you crank it up and you let it go in deeper. There is a marinating taking place with what has just been sung and what has just been declared. There's not a quick moving on. There's a selah. Whenever you see selah in the Psalms, go, oh, I have to take a moment right now and let that go in and maybe repeat it again. So the psalmist says, oh, I can't wait to be home. I can't wait to be in the dwelling house. Even the sparrows and the swallows have got there. I can't wait to be there. Why? Because of who is in there. So who needs to be called home today? Who needs to be called home? Some of you may be in the house today, but it's not your home. And you need to call it your home. You need to go all in becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Yeah, that's what you need to do. So the prayer, it's okay, sister can carry on. I'm good with that. She's praising. So prayer partners, you'll just come, just, just either side of the aisle, just not the very middle. Some of you need to come and go, I, I, I've been playing church. I've been, been attending and it's all it is, but I want to be like this psalmist. I may seem insignificant, but even the sparrows found a home. I, I, and some of you need a fresh revelation of your nest, of dwelling generationally. There's so much comfort prayer today but then it would be remiss of me not to mention these people. Some of you in your physical nest have had birds that have flown away from the house. They've flown away from the house. And you are grieving the loss of them not being in the house. Friends, family, you're grieving them not being in the house. Can I make a recommendation? Set yourself on fire for God that they may see you burn. And may the heat of your love of him and for them draw them home. Cry out in your prayers. Sing aloud for praise for who he is. Take the step. It may be a sacrifice you need to make. Listen to the Lord and cry out. And cry out. And may they be like the prodigal 
when they come to their senses, they think of home. And home is the house of the Lord. Because there's a generation who are finding it. Did you see him today? There's a generation who want to be in it. So don't give up. Don't give up. Would you stand? Let me pray for you. Hey, music team, I know you think one song and done. Nope, you're doing both. If people are a little hungry, get over it. Um, prayer partners, come forward. Let us pray together. King Jesus, your word says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So we're going to praise you. Hallelujah. We're going to praise you. We're going to declare that you are holy forever. That your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. We're going to declare that with passion. We're going to declare that you are our living hope. And hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. So Lord, may today be a day where some of us in this house know if I feel even like a sparrow, I want to find my home here. A swallow that may seem restless right now, but it's not about me. There is a role for me to play with the generations beneath me, above me, and all around me. Thank you, Lord, that I now praise the Lord with great-great-grandchildren, with great-great-grandparents, and everything in between. Only in the house of the Lord. Be glorified, Jesus. We lift our voices. Hallelujah to the King. Amen. Amen. Let's go. Raise the roof. Come on.